Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. I'm so happy that you guys are here. Welcome online. That you're, thank you that you're watching with us. Um, I'm super excited about the message today. It's going to be kind of like a different type of message. I am going to share about one of my favorite books in the Bible, and it's Ephesians. And if you know me at all or you've had any conversation with me, if I talk to you, I will always steer people, start reading in Ephesians. Now, it's this really small book in the Bible it was written to a church at Ephesus. A lot of stuff was going on there. But it's these six chapters that are just, they've changed my life. They, uh, they've instructed me, encouraged me, corrected me. And I just want to encourage you guys with this. The first time I read Ephesians, I only read the first few verses, and I would read it over and over and over again because I loved reading it. And instead of Paul saying, you know, I, Paul, pray that you, I would say, Chris, and I would pray these prayers that I thank you, Father, that I, Chris, my eyes are open, that I have understanding of what your hope and what your calling is, and it really helped me with my walk with God, but before we jump in, I want to pray, and then we'll just get started, amen? amen? Father God, I come to you now in the name of Jesus. I just thank you for everything you're doing in our lives. I thank you that lives are forever changed. And I thank you, Father, that we are able to sit in under your word, that it's your word that's preached today, not my agenda, not my opinion, but what your word says. And I just thank you that people have ears to hear and hearts to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the first three chapters of Ephesians are indicative. And what that means is it's indicating what has happened that got you to where you are in Christ Jesus. It's sharing what God did, what Jesus did on the cross, that there's no longer this distance between you and God because Jesus closed the gap. You guys ever been in a race? Nobody here. Okay, all right. I'm like, wow, this is going to be a tough one. <laughs> I know my wife has raced me before. So Remember when we were racing? Now, sometimes when you're in a race, there's this gap. You ever see somebody, like, start getting some distance on you? I race cars, and that's the worst feeling when you're in a car race, and you see that guy getting a little bit farther every lap, a little bit farther. It's a really bad feeling, and it really motivates you to hit every turn perfectly. And with racing, every turn, you have to hit it perfectly. And when you hit every corner, every turn perfect, I do road racing. I don't do the oval, you know, the circle. I don't drive in circles, all right? Okay, all right, whatever. <laughs> Wrong crowd. Anyway, when I hit every corner perfectly and I hit the apex, that means I have the car in the perfect position on the crap, the, the crap, the track, and I'm able, and I don't give up, I'm just kidding, I'm just going for it. Then I'm able to get my fastest lap time. And then you race against yourself. And see, the thing with racing, when you're looking at the other cars, you're not racing your best race. When you're looking at the track, when you're looking at the corners, when you're looking at the things ahead, that's when you run your fastest laps. And I've had the privilege to some of the races I've been at to where I had not only the fastest lap on the team, but the fastest lap of the day. 
That's the coolest feeling. So what I'm sharing with you today about Ephesians, I want you to see that the first three chapters are indicative. It's indicating what Jesus did to put you in a position to where you're right with God. And then the last three chapters, they're imperative. Because Jesus has put you in this position, this is how you should act as a believer. Nobody's like, whoa, I don't, I don't know where he's going with this. Oh, trust me, we're going. You guys ready? Okay, so I'm going to start out. Uh, the thing I also like about Ephesians is that it talks about how um, we are to act, but it also talks about how wives are to act to their husbands, husbands are to act to their wives, and also how you are to raise your children. So you basically, in these six chapters, you get a whole life lesson. So we're going to jump into uh, Ephesians right now. And the first thing I want to make or point out to you is that biblical love is not a feeling but an action. Ephesians 5, 1 through 7 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in what? Love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Here's the interesting thing. It says to walk in love. Biblical love is not a feeling. It is not a feeling. You know, if it was love was a feeling, Jesus wouldn't have gone to the cross because he didn't feel like going to the cross. He prayed. He said, Father, if there's any other way, let this pass from me. That's a strong indication that he didn't feel like going. But biblical love is not a feeling. Verse 3, you guys ready for this? But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting. What is coarse jesting? That's cutting people down. That's cutting people down for the sake of a laugh. And coarse jesting, believers are not to coarse jest, they're not to, to make fun of others to where they feel bad or where you're hurting them or offending them, uh, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God or Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, Therefore, do not be partakers with them. I think it's very interesting that in verse 5, 1 through 7, or um, when you realize that walking in love is what you're not supposed to do. Did you guys catch that when we just read it? Think about this. Be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, walking in love, biblical love, is telling us what we are to do and what we are not to do. Some guys, man, you're just trying to express your love. See a girl, she's beautiful. You're like, ooh, man. Nobody's ever seen a beautiful girl? No men here? Boy, you guys are really tough today. It's going to be interesting. All you men, that was an opportunity for you to say, amen, brother, because your wife or your girl right next to you be like, that could have been some brownie points, but we're going to work on that next week, okay? 
All you guys ever seen a beautiful woman before? Amen. Amen. There we go. All right. Oh, man. (laughs) You guys are going to pay for that. (laughs) Might say, oh, I just want to be closer. And then you boys, you start talking to these girls. You're like, hey, what's up? I just want to express how much I love you. No, he does not. He doesn't want to express how much he loves you. He's trying to get you to help him indulge in his lust for you to where he feels like a man. See, the sad thing about being a man of God is that when you're a man of God, you're not going to try to cause your sister to stumble against her God. If you're not married, fornication, Bible says don't do it. This is a downer. Oh, man. I should be getting amens. And here's why I should get amens. Because God has a better way. So many people are like, oh, but I'm not hurting anybody. I'm not hurting anybody. Yeah, you are. Because you're sinning against God. You're missing the mark that God has for you. You're missing the standard. So many people are like, it's love. No, love is an action. Biblical love. I've seen a lot of people that are in love and then they're out of love. Why? Because worldly love is a feeling, and feelings are always fleeting. I remember the first time I held Nicole's hand, I was like, (gasps) guess what? Not every time I grab her hand, it's like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. But because the relationship that we built together, the love that we have, the, the walking in love, that's what's sustaining See, when you look at love, when you don't look at it at the biblical sense, and you look at it, what's in it for me, it's very selfish. It's contrary to what Scripture is, and it's contrary to who Jesus is and who God is. If Jesus said, what's in it for me at the cross, he would have never gone to the cross. He had a perfect relationship with God. But say, Chris, why are you talking about this? Because I want you guys to know something. You have to, if you truly love your neighbor as yourself, You're not going to try to get them to indulge in a sin that you're committing against your God. When you love your neighbor, you're not going to ask them to do something that their God specifically says don't do. You guys getting this? We had a great men's meeting, and, and Pastor Eric talked about men being men and manning up, and it really just did something on the inside of me. Women, now it's your turn. I didn't forget about you. If he treats me right, I reward him. No, you're selling yourself short because you're finding your self-worth through a man and not God. And you need to be loved and you're giving yourself to stand in. You're giving yourself for a stand-in for a guy who's not really who God called you to be with. You're giving yourself to a counterfeit. Here's the dangerous thing and the most discouraging thing. You're giving yourself to a stand-in and not the man God has for you, and he's not in that pond. He's in another pond. And like a fish to a lure, you grab on, you get hooked. You're like, oh, but he does so many things for me. And you get caught. He catches you. He gets what he wants from you, and then he releases you back into the wild. And then you take that shame and that hurt and that regret with you. This is a different service today. And these are things that I've learned through Ephesians. Am I perfect? 
Absolutely not. Is this a fun message for everybody? No. But I love you, so I'm going to walk in love towards you and share what the gospel says. How can I walk in love? Put action and parameters that will draw you closer to God. I've been a teenager. I've been there. Ooh, let's study the Bible together. Yes. <laughs> Guess what happens when you go to study the Bible together? You got this, this sin dog right in the room with you. It's called lust and feelings. You sit right next to the little doggy, and you put a little Jesus mask on the doggy. God, please show us what we should do in Scripture. But Bible studies usually happen late at night. It's weird how that works out. And then as you're reading about what Jesus is saying not to do, you both start petting that doggy. Oh, he's such a cute doggy. You're selling yourself short. Is there freedom in Jesus Christ? Absolutely. It's indicative to what Jesus did. Jesus indicates what he did for us, but he also declares what we should do and the fruit we should bear for him. You guys see what it says? My next point, marriage is God's institution. Let's see what his design for marriage looks like. Ephesians 5, through 24 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands. Ooh, all the men are like, yes, read it, brother. Don't wait. Don't worry, women. I'm saving the best for last here, okay? Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is to be head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. What does everything mean? Everything. Now we're going to stop here for a second. I'm going to elaborate on what the context is here. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This is specifically talking to wives and husbands. If you're dating a guy right now, women, you should not be submitting to that guy right now. Absolutely not. I had a friend of mine one day, he's like, dude, my girl's not submitting to me. And I'm like, good for her. That's a good girl. What? I thought you are on my side. I am on Bible side. Well, how am I know she's going to submit to me? How well she submits to her father. Meet a girl that submits to her father. Well, you don't know her dad. You don't know. I don't need to know her dad. I need to know what the Bible says. The Bible's not saying submit to somebody if they're worth submitting to. It's saying submit to them. And when you submit to them, you're submitting to God. Whew, it's quiet in here today. Don't worry, I'm stepping on my own toes here too. You guys getting this? What does everything mean? I'll submit to his leadership when he starts leading. No. You're actually rebelling against God when you do that. Well, when he starts doing the dishes, then I'll start listening to what he has to say. No. Whoa. Hey, oh, wow. It's all right. I told you, I'm stepping on my own toes here. Wow, in public, in front of everybody. Man. Do I have a knife right here, Eric? No, just kidding. You don't understand how bad he is. No, you don't understand authority. Authority given by God. 
Now, you shouldn't break the law to submit. Let's see the context here. But the man is to be the head of the house. He's to be the final say of the house. This is what God says. Trust me. What I'm going to say to the men, all the men are going to be like, yeah, submit. And then it's like, it's like men only read that one verse, and we're like, you got to submit to me. But what God tells the man to do is like, well, I don't, you don't have to submit to me if you don't want to. You know, it's okay. But we're going to declare what the Bible says, right? We're here to learn what the Bible says, correct? So we're not here to do what feels good or sounds good. We're here to learn. Like going to the gym. Sometimes you go to the gym and you go to the gym and you're like, yeah, I'm excited. Things are awesome. And you get to the gym and you don't feel like being there. I've been that way. You look at the weight and it's like, man, it says this much weight, but it's just heavier. I know it's heavier. Sometimes when the Bible tells us to do something, it's like, yeah, God didn't really mean that. Now I think he knows what he's talking about. I think he's confident in what he's saying. You don't understand authority. Luke 7, 1 says, now when he concluded all his sayings and hearing of the people, this is talking about Jesus, he entered Capernaum. And a centurion servant, a certain centurion servant, who was dear to him, was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders to the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying to the one for whom he should Ugh, I'm sorry, I just got to start over. It was terrible. Verse 4, And when he came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. How many of you guys ever prayed that prayer with God? He wants his buddy healed. You pray, God, I need them. They deserve it. What is he trying to do? He's deserving. Uh, what do he say? For he loves our nation, and he has built us a synagogue. If it was works-based, then Jesus should have done it, but it wasn't. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Now that's totally different than what the guys were telling Jesus. They just said, he is worthy, he's deserving, he did some good things for you, he built us a synagogue, he did right things. But what does the guy say? He sends people to him, he says, I'm not deserving, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returning to the house found the servant well who had been sick. How can you show your husband your belief in God when you disobey and disagree with your God? Oh, yeah, I know. It's, it's a bummer. You don't know what he's like. I don't need to know what he's like. You need to know what your God says. I've had the last several months, I've been doing in-depth studies, and we have these little signs on our house in our room, and it says, I do things for God because Jesus is Lord. 
I give things my best because Jesus is Lord. If he's my Lord, he's, it's going to show that he's my Lord. Amen? Men, it's our turn. Get the steel toes on. Hits hard. Ephesians 5, 25 through 32 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to her to or present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as to their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, love his own wife as himself, and let his wife see that she respects her husband. The men's role is not just to love his wife. The men's role, or the man's role, is to nurture his wife, grow up his wife. The man's responsibility in the house is to make sure that his wife's spiritual development, that she's going closer to God. He's responsible for what's going on in the house. He's the final say. You might say, well, I don't know, I don't know. Well, what, what, if, what if my wife, you don't know my wife. I don't need to know your wife. You need to know what the scripture says. Did Jesus pick who he would die for or did he die for the whole world? The whole world. Men, I'm talking to you. You are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You are to give yourself to your wife. You are to read scriptures with your wife. You are to be over your wife's spiritual development and say, hey, babe, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a Bible study. Let me tell you something. Being honest, I don't feel like doing a Bible study all the time in my house. God didn't ask me what I felt like doing. He didn't say, hey, Pastor Eric, if you, if you feel like it, can you do this for me? What kind of terrible boss would God be if he asked everybody to work for him, hey, do you, do you feel like doing this? Nobody would expect that. Men, lead your house. Lead it biblically. Love your wife like Christ loves the church. I never saw Jesus getting mad and belittling the church. Never saw Jesus in Scripture being like, yo, you stupid, you think. Mm-mm. Church is precious to Jesus. Your wife, you should lay down your life. Let me tell you something. You will never lay down your life for your wife if you don't live for her. If you tell yourself and convince yourself, oh, I'd die for you, babe, live for her. Show her 
that you love her like Christ loves the church. Show her that you care about her walk with God. That, hey, I don't know what the Bible means in this particular passage, but let's find it out together. Men, man up. Man up and get behind what the Word of God says. Lead your family in such a way that when your family grows up, they can say, hey, I learned. They can see a God that they can't see clearly in you. You might say, well, I'm a single mom. I understand that. You're a single mom. Get connected with people in the church. Get connected with men in the church that are manning, living their life, and pursuing what God has for them. There's an anointing on a man. Here's the thing. Let me tell you, we get this from our, our, our first father, Adam. You guys remember the Garden of Eden? Remember that? What did he say? First, first sign of trouble. The wife you gave me gave it to me. So many boys blame their wives for where they are. Do you know what God said? It wasn't Eve that he dealt with. He said, I commanded you not to eat of the fruit. You know, the Bible doesn't say in the New Testament because Adam and Eve ate of the tree that we all fell into sin. It says because Adam ate of the tree. The man is accountable to how he's going to live for his family. The man is accountable for the, I'm stepping on my own toes. Let me tell you something. My wife's looking at me right now. She's like, preach it, brother. Amen. (laughs) We got to be real in church, right? My wife asked me, she's like, you got a message? I'm like, I don't got a message. (laughs) Did that not happen? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to be bad. (laughs) Crucify him. (laughs) No, but I'm being honest with you. I'm not standing up here from a place of perfection. I'm standing up here saying, follow me as I follow after Christ. I am not perfect at all. I'm not here saying, I've arrived. I'm here saying, listen, this is what the book says. We better start doing what it says. And when I was reading this, I was like, "Mm, Lord, but I don't do everything. You know what he said? Start doing it. It's on you. Next thing, the final thing is how fathers are to lead their house, how to raise their children. It says don't provoke your children to wrath. What does that mean? Don't be a bully. Be patient because love is patient. Be kind because love is kind. My wife is an amazing wife. One of the reasons she's so amazing. There's a long list. She helps me to be the best father I can be to my children. Sometimes I can get upset. I'll, like, take things, and I'll be frustrated. I'll be like, no, I told you so many times. Stop doing that. I'm like, how many times do I have to tell you? And my wife looks at me, and it's not judging me, but it's just, it's kind of. Like, them eyes get heavy, all right? She looks at me, and she's just like, I just, yeah, see, she's doing it right now. <laughs> she got that. She's like, click, smile, eyes locked in. I'm like, okay. Do you know that I've made it my mission now? I take my kids to school every morning. 
every morning. And I tell my wife now, it's one of my favorite things to do during the day. I start my day up right. Some days we're late. I don't know how we're late. It's one of life's miracles, <laughs> mysteries. Like, we'll wake up at 545. I'm like, all right, we're going to. I hate being late. I hate it. Yeah. My kids, not so much, you know. It's like, hey, you know, we'll get there when we get there. They're totally on South Florida time. So I tell my kids, I'm like, dude, come on, Noah. We're almost there. I've had times where my son can be hair comb, teeth were brushed, breakfast. Only thing he has to do is put his shoes on. And from like 740 to 757, we don't know what happened. <laughs> we have no idea. We were so close. We were so close, but we missed the mark. And my wife, being a godly wife, she looks at me and she says, does it really matter? Oh, it matters. We're late. <laughs> but for me to justify being angry, to sin against my son, and to provoke him to wrath, who's more wrong? I am. Let's be honest. We're at church. And what my wife does, she sits there and she says, babe, oh, I support you. I hate it when she says that because I know what's coming. I support you. Let's say this is the Bible. But you're not supporting your book that you endorse. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> no, she doesn't say, you know how when it's like a picture's worth a thousand words? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I'm hearing it. <laughs> we should be real in church. I'm being real transparent to you. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. What do we learn from checking out Ephesians? Walking in love is an action. Actions are not based on feelings. How many people have ever gone to the gym, waited for like 10 or 15 minutes to work out on a machine, and been like, well, I went to the gym, so check in on Facebook. Yeah, I went here, and then walk right out. You're like, woo, how was the gym? Oh, it was crazy packed. You know, you're not going to lie, but you're not going to be like, how long? Nobody asked how long did you stay at the gym. Because that's like an unofficial rule. You don't ask how long you stayed at the gym. That's like asking, are you a Republican or a Democrat? You know, like, there's certain things you don't ask, man. Right? How, how long I was at? Long enough to do my workout. What was your workout? I was on the treadmill. How long? 35 seconds. <clears throat> Excuse me. We got to do what the word says if we're going to be the light that God created us to be, if we're going to do the works that he created for us to do, if we're going to reach the people that he's called us to reach, if we're going to be the leaders that he's called us to, to be, if we're going to reach the people he said, here, you can reach them, but the only way you can reach them is if you're leading them towards me. The only way to be a great leader for God is to be a great follower of Jesus Christ. The only way to be a great follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. Do you love Jesus? This isn't a condemning message. This is, hey, because we are saved, 
because we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, this is how we are to conduct ourselves. And we are never to mask our walk with God by getting it down. I'm not saying be a spiritual Pharisee. Pharisees had it down. You ever read the Bible and think of Pharisees like, oh, they're the bad guys? Nobody? Okay, I'm the only one. We got a couple. Okay. The Pharisees were more spiritual as far as their work and what they did and what they didn't do than probably any person you know. The restrictions they put on themselves. But their heart was far from God. My son and mine's relationship is so much better now because the love we have for one another. Did I love him before? Absolutely. It's not I didn't love him. I was frustrated. But instead of being like, babe, it's my nine-year-old's fault. She's like, whoa. <laughs> Remember, Nicole? We got this. She's like, whoa. Whoa. I thought you could lead better than that. No, I'm just <laughs> it's not what she says. It's how she says it. I need it, though. Husbands, wives, submit to your husbands in all things. It's not saying your wife can't say what's going on. It's not to say that your wife doesn't have a voice. No, God created your wife. God created women with very loud voices. Very loud voices. All the men said, yeah, come on. I should get at least one amen. Yeah. She already thinks you said it, brother. No, just kidding. <laughs> Sometimes we need that loud voice saying, hey, babe. Because, men, we can get so short-sighted in the blindness and forget that we're to love our wife as Christ loves the church. And we're to love our children as God loves our children. And we're to grow them up and nurture them. I've never seen a gardener take a machete to a flower. There's time for correction. There's times that you have to deal with things and trim them. But don't take a machete and just start hacking away. Because what will happen is you'll hack more than you intended to. And your child will be fearful and not have any confidence in the world. And that's on us as fathers. And you might say, well, that's not me. That's my wife. Lead your house then. Correct the situation. Man up. <laughs> I love you guys. I really do. I really hope that you guys can see what the scripture says. It's not easy coming up here and telling you what the Bible says, but it's beneficial. And if we do what the Bible says, we will get the Bible results. Amen? Uh, next week, if I'm able to, I'd like to finish it on children, how to raise your children up. We are not to be, and I'm going to close with this, I am great friends with my kids, but I am not my kids' friends first. I do not care if my son is going to be mad at me. I care that I'm training him to be a contribution to society. My number one goal for my son is not to be a great basketball player, soccer player, football player. My number one goal is not for him to go to college. My number one goal is for my son to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And by me leading my house, that's number one. Other goals, 
important, not number one. Love you guys. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father God, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. We just thank you for everything we're doing that you're doing at Faith Family Church. We thank you that lives are changed. We thank you, Father, that people came here to hear your word and not my opinion. If there's anybody in here today that you know you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to, you'd like to start that relationship now, I want you to make eye contact with me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you down the front. I just want to make eye contact with you. Just raise your hand. Is there anybody? Okay. Let's all open our eyes. We're going to say this because there's people that watch on Facebook Live. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you are saved. So right now, on the count of three, all of us at Faith Family Church are going to say, I believe Jesus is Lord, and we're going to say it with you who are on Facebook Live. Are you guys ready? One, two, three. I believe Jesus is Lord. If you made a decision today to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please reach out to us uh, through Facebook and let us know so we can get you some information. We love you guys. At this time, we're going to take up the tithes and offerings. There's three ways, several ways that you can give. Through the back, we have a check-in. We have uh, the box in the back, and we have the square. We also have texts to give, and we love you guys. I'm going to say a general prayer. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you give seed to the sower, and you bless what we put our hand to, that we are blessed to further your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook. Thank you.